Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, 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 and welcome back into another episode of Believe in the ATP Tour. I'm your host, Jacob Sersosimo, and today you're listening on the Believe Network. A lot to cover today, a lot to get to. Uh, Wimbledon pretty much just wrapped up, an exciting two weeks of tennis. I gave you a recap up into the quarterfinals last week, so that's where I'm going to pick up this week. Uh, if you don't live under a rock and you actually have social media, you probably already know who won, but I'm going to get to that at the end. Uh, the, t- the top quarterfinal that I'm going to touch on is Novak Djokovic and Yannick Sinner and I think this was a lot closer than people imagined it would be this went five but Novak Djokovic is unique in the fact of he's got to be one of the best five set players that we've ever seen on the tour Uh, when it comes to five sets and people have been very open about it this isn't just me making this up people have been very open about beating Novak in a best of five format is probably one of the hardest things to do Yannick Sinner comes out in this match and blasts him in the first two sets, 7-5-6-2, right? It's all Yannick Sinner early. And Novak Djokovic just erases him in the next three, 6-3-6-2-6-2. And I know Yannick's young and playing against, like, the GOAT or one of the GOATs can be a lot of pressure. You're, you know, you're on center court. You're playing against Novak Djokovic, who's won the last few Wimbledon's and there's a lot of pressure there but Yannick Sinner had played great tennis up to this point he'd already beat Vavrinka he'd already beat Isner he'd already beat Carlos Alcaraz so whether it was actually going up against you know a giant in the game of Novak or whatever the case may be he just didn't play the same in the last three sets it's probably hard to close that out but Novak Djokovic you know wins that in five he carries on into the semifinal, which I think everybody expected anyway. Uh, David Goffin into the quarters. He played Cam Norrie. I think we all we all knew that this was a side of the bracket that was going to be you know a brand new person in the the semis because of you know everyone went out with COVID. There are a lot of lucky losers in this side of the bracket, but it was really cool to see Cam Norrie you know prevail and make it into the semifinals at Wimbledon just because. You know, he is a hometown, home country guy, you know, from Great Britain in the UK and being able to have that fandom behind him and going up against Novak Djokovic, who I would assume is being kind of adopted over at Wimbledon because he's won there so many times and fans just like to see success. But there's also a lot of fans that really don't like Novak Djokovic. So everybody's cheering for Cam Nori in this match. He wins in five sets. I thought he was going to let that one slip, but he ends up making it in the semifinals, the top half semis, Novak Djokovic and Cam Nori. The bottom side semis, Nick Kyrgios is playing Christian Guerin, and this was not really a match. Uh, Kyrgios wins in three sets, which is funny because the you know, the Nori match went five, the Djokovic match went five, and the other match I'm about to tell you about that is at the bottom half of the bracket that is Taylor Fritz and Rafael Nadal. That also went five. So for Nick Kyrgios to kind of just have a walk there was a little comical that anybody that would have a walk in this tournament. It's Nick Kyrgios. Yeah, of course it is. Um, And everybody wants to see him play more tennis. So I wouldn't be upset if he went five sets, but he he makes it through into the semis in three straight sets. And we're going to get to that semi here in just a sec. Let's go to the bottom, bottom part of this bracket. That is Taylor Fritz and Rafael Nadal. I really thought Taylor Fritz had a real chance in this match, and he did have a real chance in this match. I thought it was Taylor Fritz's match until about the very last serve. I really thought Taylor Fritz had this match 
all the way, and he definitely did, I, I think. Uh, Fritz and Nadal, obviously Nadal is Nadal for a reason. This one goes five sets. Fritz wins the first set, 6-3, loses the second, 7-5, 6-3. He's up two sets to one going into the fourth set, and Nadal was obviously in some pain. It wasn't necessarily his foot. It was his abs, and it was something that was in the middle of his abs that we would find out later was a, like a seven-millimeter tear in his abdomen. And Nadal obviously was in pain in this match. There's footage of like his dad and his sister saying, hey, how about you just stop? Like, quit it. It's not It's not worth it. He finishes this match and somehow wins in a tiebreaker in the fifth set, 10-4. Absolutely gutted for Taylor Fritz. He he had this match in my, in my mind many, many times. Nadal wins 7-5, gets a break late in the fourth set, and then, you know, it goes the distance in the fifth. And as it went longer, I thought it benefited Taylor Fritz more just because he wasn't hurt and Nadal was. But obviously, that's not what happened. Nadal somehow scraps this one out, wins in five, and even in his post-match press conference, he talked about, you know, I hope I'm ready to go to play Kyrgios on Friday, and he talked about how his abs was hurting a lot. And there were some problems there, and everyone kind of knew there was, but he, you know, he confirms it. He's been no BS about his injuries, especially as of late. So there it is. Kyrgios is playing Rafael Nadal, and Djokovic is playing Cam Nori. Um, we start at the top, obviously. Cam Nori wins a first set. It's exciting for you know fans, fans in the UK at Wimbledon at the All England Club, but that's pretty much all he wins. He he wins the first set six two. And Djokovic rolls 6-3, 6-2, 6-4. He's into the final, and that's pretty much what you would expect from the top side of this bracket. And then you go down to Kyrgios. Kyrgios goes to play Nadal, and the night before the match, Nadal calls a press conference and withdraws. I think it was the right call. I thought I thought he was going to withdraw earlier, but it sounds like he started to practice, and then he kind of realized that I didn't really have – he said in his press conference – I don't believe I can win two matches. So I think he did believe he could beat Kyrgios or one more match, but he said, I don't believe I can win two matches, which begs the question, if there was only one match left, would he have played? Probably, maybe. I don't, I, I mean, I, I'm, not, I don't, I'm not in his brain, so I have no idea. But he said, I don't believe I can win two matches. He probably believed he could win one. And if it was a final of a Grand Slam and he had a little tear in his ab, he probably would have done it. The big problem was his serve, not being able to do it with his serve. So Nick Kyrgios makes it into the final at Wimbledon, and he already made it into his first semifinal. This was his first Grand Slam final ever. Um, he's the first Aussie man to reach even the Wimbledon semifinal since Leighton Hewitt did it in 2005. So uh, big for Australian tennis. It should be Nick Kyrgios at the face of Australian tennis. I know there's other great players from Australia. Kakanakis is up there. Damon Uwer is up there. But he's by far the best player in Australia. Sheer talent. And if he can actually get going a little bit and put this effort that he put in at Wimbledon at a lot of other tournaments that he goes to, I mean, it's going to be really, really hard to stop Nick Kyrgios. No, there's, I know there's a lot of antics to it and other stuff that he does. But all that aside and straight up tennis, Nick Kyrgios is a dog and he's good. So let's go to the final. There's a lot of antics before the final. You'd expect that with pretty much Novak and Kyrgios, but especially Kyrgios. Uh, it seems like they're friends, and uh, they ne didn't necessarily talk a lot or weren't great friends, and then Kyrgios backed him up with the whole Australian vaccine thing. and all, it, It's a whole thing. Like It's literally kind of dumb, to be honest, um, that some people care so much about this, but they do. And there, there's all this stuff going on with, these two, but really, let's just watch some tennis. And they do play great tennis in the first set. 
Um, in the final of Wimbledon, Kyrgios, even ahead of time, was like, I just want to get out there and play. And he hadn't played in so long. So he came out firing. He played really well in the first set, wins it 6-4. But like I said earlier in this podcast, Novak is a best-of-five dude. Like, he he is so hard to beat in the best-of-five format. Novak comes back out, wins 6-3, 6-4. Uh, in the second and third set, and Nick Kyrgios, you know, has some words with the umpire, has some words with his box. He's box. He's upset about a few things, and then we get to the fourth, and they're back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and playing really, really well. I thought Kyrgios had a real chance at winning this set. Doesn't mean he was going to win the match, but he was had a real chance at winning this set. But we get to a tiebreaker, and at one point. Novak Djokovic is up like 6-1 in the tiebreaker, and it's pretty much over. He wins 7-3 in the tiebreaker, 7-6 in the final set. Novak Djokovic wins his 21st Grand Slam title, and I believe his 7th at Wimbledon. And he is just playing great tennis. It's a bummer if we don't get to see him in New York. Obviously, his decision. But the, the level of play that he's playing right now is stuff that you would expect prior to the Aussie Open and stuff that you would expect the last few years, really. Uh, we just haven't got to see a whole lot of Novak Djokovic, but he looks like he's in tip-top form again, and there should be no concerns moving forward. Now, unfortunately, this could be his last Grand Slam, and for tennis, that's not great because he is so good. Like, this is what he does. He wins Grand Slams. He's at 21. He's one behind Rafa. You want these two to go pretty much battle for the top spot and see how far they can go. Will they? Who knows? Like th- this is this is the hard part about tennis right now. Rafa's hurt. Uh, Federer is not back, and Djokovic is unvaccinated, so he can't go anywhere. So the top three, the big three, who knows where they're going to be and what they're going to be doing? But they've proven time and time and time again they still can beat everybody, and they can do it handily and win Grand Slams. So I'm assuming with Rafael Nadal backing out of the semis of Wimbledon, he's going to gear up to play the U.S., and that's going to be his big last push of this year before he has a baby and before you know he kind of reassesses his career and how far he wants to play and how, how, how long he will be on tour. So this is something special we're in right now. We don't know where things are going to go. We don't know what's going to go on, but I can tell you the big three still very much dominate this sport. And while we're on this topic of the big three and nobody can beat him, there's this guy on Twitter named Ricky Diamond, and he looks like he writes about tennis. Uh, but he wrote something that I thought was interesting. He wrote a tweet that said, the next generation is hopeless. They've won two slams, one because Djokovic had a mental breakdown, which I think is last year's U.S. Open that Medvedev won, and one because Djokovic blasted a ball into the lineswoman's throat, which is the 2020 U.S. Open. And he pretty much says, other than that, nothing but blown two-set leads and losses to injury 40-year-olds who who can barely move. Now, a little bit of a bash. I think it's pretty extreme, but he's not wrong. The next gen is really, really good. But when it comes to five-set matches, best-of-five matches, there's something mentally and physically that the big three have. And it's going to take a lot, a lot more to beat them in that format. They're way more experienced. You see this all the time in other sports. Uh, you play your dad when you're younger, and you're like, I'm in way better shape. I can beat you, but they're smarter. That's the difference, is these guys are just smarter, and they know it, and they know exactly how to play the game to their advantage, and they've been in these situations. These younger generations haven't been in these situations as much, and as long as this continues, they will continue to win these massive tournaments and keep climbing up the ranks of how many Grand Slams can they win. Uh, It's not a bad take by Ricky. I don't disagree with it, but 
there's a lot more into it than just like these guys suck. Like the big three are the big three for the reason. And they're going to keep climbing the ladder. And honestly, I'm kind of here for it. All right, Wimbledon. What do I think of it? Uh, as a whole, I thought Wimbledon was fine. Uh, I, Wimbledon's one of my favorite tournaments because it plays throughout the morning, so it gives me more chances to watch a ton of matches. I thought it was a great tournament. Um, I think it didn't have some of the problems that it had last year when it looks like the surface was not as good and everyone was slipping. People still slipped, but it wasn't as big of an issue this year as it was last year. Unfortunately, Matteo Berrettini, Mirren Cilic didn't get to play because of COVID. I thought that was a real bummer. I think both of those guys could have had some real fireworks. The storyline of Nick Kyrgios and Cam Nori making it to the semis was electric. Um, and the way that Rafael Nadal battled was something special. Would have this tournament been better You know, if we could see Rublev and Medvedev and some of those Russian players in it? Absolutely. I would have loved to see the Russian players play in this tournament. But that that's not the case and that's literally what we have to live we have to we have to live through this we need to move on and it's just a real bummer that those guys didn't get a chance to you know show what they had at this tournament would it have changed the outcome i don't know uh it probably would have put novak and rafa on the same side of the bracket which would have made things even more interesting but a lot of americans made a deep run in this tournament big for confidence big for american tennis so that probably wouldn't have happened if those other guys were in this tournament we could talk about this all day i'm not going to because i'm kind of sick of it honestly but i think you know this would have been a very different tournament if medvedev if rublev if you know hachinov even could play in this tournament big fan of the tournament still i thought it, i thought it was still well ran the weird part about this tournament is like novak goes from like the number three ranked player in the world right now to number seven next week because he gets no points for this so like there's a big complication there and it's it, it's a whole thing it's weird but that's the complications you deal with when when you make decisions like this and i think you know these decisions are obviously way over my head and i don't know a whole lot about what went into them but there's just some interesting takes and interesting things that happen and a ripple effect of not letting certain players into this tournament uh, on the women's side a great final uh Anjabur, uh was like the first arab woman to do so many things a true trailblazer in women's tennis and really women's sports and she makes it to the finals, number three seed. I really thought she would pull this one out, but she loses to Elena Rabakina, who's a 17 seed, who I believe grew up in Moscow and then moved out and changed her citizenship uh, at one point. And so she's not a Russian player anymore. And she ended up hoisting the trophy and winning Wimbledon on the women's side. Very deserving. I remember watching her in 2019 at the U.S. Open and thinking, man, this woman is great at tennis. I can't wait. To, like, I can't wait to see if she actually makes it to the top at one point and does some incredible things. It looks like she's on her way to do that, and she just won a Wimbledon title at the age of 23, which is pretty remarkable. I hope Anjabur gets back there and does some special things. I think she will be. She was a three seed. Iga Svitek loses in this tournament, but I think she was just, you know, she said she had a bad game plan going in, and no matter how good you are, uh, if it's not what you think it is and you're just struggling, you're going to struggle. Uh, there is a grass tournament this week that is going on actually right now, and that is the Hall of Fame tournament that is going on, I believe, in Rhode Island. I, I'm not 100% sure on that. Yeah, Rhode Island, Newport, Rhode Island. It is the Infosys Hall of Fame Open that is going on in Rhode Island. Uh, that's the last thing of the grass court grass courts of the year. It's kind of the big cherry on top that they have. Felix Ogiali Asim is playing in that tournament. And then we head back overseas, and we go to Germany and Switzerland. And then we come back to the United States as we gear up 
for the U.S. Open. We'll be talking about the U.S. Open before we know it. But right now, relax. A little downtime in the old tennis world. And we're going to need it because there's been a ton that's gone on in the last couple months. Appreciate you listening. Thanks for all the support. Uh, I have a little little thing on Believe's social network or social media right now that is just a real quick recap of this tournament and everything. If you like those, let me know. I, I can do more of those probably. So uh, if you don't want to listen to full episodes or however you want to do it, we can always just, you know, we, we're, we can adjust. We can adjust. We're, we're a big fan of adjusting on this, uh, on this podcast. Appreciate you listening. Take care. We'll get back next week, talk about some 250s. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.